BS You're Wrong, the podcast where we talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love. And I'm Shelby, and I'm here with Matt. Yes, I am here to talk <laughs> about Fast and the Furious Presents, Hobbs and Shaw. Yes, Blech. it's the day I dreamed of. <laughs> You're a hater. A Everyone already dream. knows that. I can't wait for all of your friends to text me and tell me I was right. But... Should we uh, start off with something you probably enjoyed more than me? Yes. Just to even the score a little. Mm -hmm. For our trailer discussion this week, we are talking about The Irishman, which has three white male leads in it. So Shelby (laughs) did not like it. Uh, it's it's not just the white leads, you know. It's it's a combination. It's the it's the themes that have been done over and over. It's like how many gangster movies do we need, you know? That's how many question. movies about people driving cars friggin' around do we need? Answer that. <laughs> I will. Anyways, <laughs> the Irishman is directed by Martin Scorsese. It's his new movie. It's going straight to Netflix, and there has been a lot of discussion about this over the last few months because it's starring Al Pacino, Joe Pesci, and Robert De Niro as gangsters, but not only as old people gangsters, but also (laughs) as their younger selves through de-aging a la Samuel L. Jackson in Captain Marvel. And there's not been a lot of footage released of this, and people were thinking, is this because it's going to look really bad? Is this going to be a total disaster? Well, the trailer came out, and I think this movie looks amazing. I'm always in for a gangster movie. I love all three of them. And I thought that the de-aging looked good. Granted, it's just a trailer, so it's only a couple minutes of it, but I thought it it looked interesting. Yeah, no, I mean... It definitely helps. Like it's a it's a great cast. I love Robert De Niro. I treasure him. And Martin Scorsese obviously knows what he's doing. It looks well done. I just <laughs> I don't know. And here's my other thing is I feel like we don't give Tron Legacy enough credit for introducing the de-aging trend and technology because they did a really good job and people always forget about that. Okay? So there was de-aging? I thought they just cast his younger son. <laughs> I don't I don't think so. I thought they did something with the digital. Now you're making me question it, but I'm fairly certain I remember hearing about the technology used to make him look younger. Maybe it was I a combination they, of the two, you know. <laughs> I'm looking this up. <laughs> yeah, Tron. fact check me. Tron Legacy. Tron Legacy. Okay. Tron Legacy, Jeff Bridges gets digitally de-aged. That's, I found this in two seconds. Times that movies digitally de-aged actors. Tron. Oh my gosh, I'm seeing the picture of it. That is terrifying. But he... Talk about Uncanny original. Valley. That's what I'm saying. Is it's <laughs> He, yep. he paved not, the way for Robert De Niro to well. lose 20 years. Okay? You have to pay respect. <laughs> Whatever. No, 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 no. You're getting me off track. <laughs> we the interesting the thing Irishman. with this de-aging is that they don't like have to put green balls on people's faces or whatever that they probably had to do with Tron. They just mm-hmm. shoot it normally and then they go back and post and de-age the people. Yeah. And so it's actually the old actors 
playing the younger versions of themselves. There's not like body doubles or whatever. And right. there's this story on the set of during some scene or another, Al Pacino had to go up a flight of stairs and Martin Scorsese was like, nope, we got to do it again, Al. You got to get up those stairs faster. You're playing a 40-year-old. <laughs> and just, they had to like force Al Pacino to run up a flight of stairs a bunch of times <laughs> So that they could get a shot of him looking not like a 75-year-old mm-hmm. man. Which so I just think be that's worth a fun watching. story from the set. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that'll make it more fun for me. It's just picking out all the old mannerisms in these young dudes. You know? I mean, maybe maybe, maybe it'll help me appreciate Hobbs and Shaw more if I'm thinking <laughs> that they were old people who were de-aged. And that would add an element of exciting. Man, you just don't like this. any fun. Because the Irishman is just like, it's just... You know, it's just a mobster movie. It's drama. It's It's drama. It's drama. It's like straight laced. It's like, what are they doing different? It's like, oh, yeah, they're mobsters. Like, cool. Look at them in the city. They're shooting people in alleyways. Wow. Amazing. You know? They're not trying anything new except the aging. And what and people. what is Hobbs and Shaw bringing to his new? Ooh, a car oh, chase. Man. Haven't seen one of those since oh, mm, uh, two minutes ago. You're oh wow, someone's fighting each other okay. in a okay, 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 warehouse. Okay, 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 wow. Okay. 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 Are we gonna? Do you want to get into this? Is that what I'm hearing? Is yes. Ready? Yes. Let's ready get into it. I'm all wired up presents? because you hated. <laughs> Once upon a time in Hollywood, and I'm out for <laughs> blood. So bring it. Okay. I mean, to be fair, like I said last episode, I did not loathe Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It just wasn't my cup of tea. Okay. Whatever. Backtracking. <laughs> okay. So what we have here is a classic summer blockbuster, and um, Hobbs and Shaw. Is obviously classic. A that sounds like old, been done before, <laughs> repeat. No, I mean classic as in it's a summer blockbuster. It's everyone goes to it just to have fun. All you're looking for is like a fun time. So, however that shakes and out, you know, we didn't find it. <laughs> okay, we have to get through conversation points if this episode is going to work. You understand? <laughs> okay, fine, fine. What's the first conversation point? <laughs> okay, well, um, you've never seen any of the other, any of the Fast and the Furious franchise, have you? No, thankfully. <laughs> oh, such hateful words, really. Okay. Well, do you want me to give you some background or do you just want to get into Hobbs and Shaw or what do you what do you feel like would help guide your so I mean here? obviously this is this is a whole franchise. Vin Diesel oh, yeah. is the guy who's in charge of it, I think, and a bunch <laughs> of these other people come and go. I was very confused in this movie about who, who, who are these characters are, are the rock and jason yeah. statham yeah they're like both like cia people or something you're you're missing what we call how, context so yeah yeah i was confused <laughs> as to how they were related to like a street racing gang which i think yeah, is what the fast a, and the furious movies are long and <laughs> complicated history which I've only cared about for the last few me- movies. Like, I didn't grow up watching these at all. The first one I saw was the seventh one, which um, was the one where Paul Walker died during production. So you so, don't know anything either? Well, no, because then I went Did you back go back and, and rewatch them? them? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh Are we okay? <laughs> okay. Whatever. 
So, I mean, yeah, like you said, the Fast and Furious has been a franchise that started in 2001. It it was a vehicle for Paul Walker. Like he was the popular guy and they managed to get Vin Diesel on. But Paul Walker was the first one signed. He was the one the story was pitched around. It was about street racing. And Paul Walker played a cop who was going undercover to, you know, catch the street racing gang, which was led by Vin Diesel, whose character is Dom Toretto. Dominique Toretto. And he has this whole slew of friends that are really family. He lives by this code of living one life, one quarter mile at a time. You know, it's really the first few movies are really about street racing and cars. So it's like a lot of talk about engines, a lot of care about make and model. It's like a lot more mm, realistic, I guess you'd say, like based in reality. Like it's just these dudes who like racing cars. Oh, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So you have the first it was the Fast and Furious 2001. And then you had a less successful sequel called Too Fast, Too Furious. D- Vin Diesel did not want to be a part of it. So they made it a spinoff with just Paul Walker's character. And that's where they introduce the dynamic duo of Tyrese and Ludacris, who have been in every movie since. Well, except Tokyo Were they Jerk, in this which one? was sort of a... No, no, no. <laughs> this is a spinoff. So oh. I'm giving you the franchise history. So Okay. The- I think you'd know if Ludacris was in Hobbs and Shaw. Well, I didn't know if that was his, if that was a character name. I don't, I don't know. No, so wait, the when, rapper turned fast, actor. Fast forward, fast forward. When do we get to The Rock and Jason Statham? Okay. They're not in the first so, two? No, no, no. Jay, so first you get The Rock. The Rock is introduced when the Fast and the Furious franchise is sort of given this reboot, where instead of being about cars, instead of being about racing, it's about heist and like spy work. And so in Fast Five, which came out in 2011, um, Dwayne Johnson's character is introduced. He's a DDS, a DSS agent, like some sort of department uh, security stealth organization. Um, mm-hmm. And he's sent to capture Dom and his team who have been on the run. And so he's introduced as sort of an anti-Dom. He's like the bad guy in a way because he's trying to get in the way of these guys running oh. their heist. And so okay. he had such great chemistry with everyone. And honestly, Fast Five is where the series picks up. Like, these are great movies. Like, they are so fun. They're their action sequences are very original, <laughs> you know? Fast Five features a bank heist where they use a steel, like, case as a... It, it's just insane. You just have to watch it. But, um, okay. so, Dwayne Johnson's character is Hobbs. He's introduced in Fast Five and sort of has this... He gets a respect for Dom, and they end sort of as frenemies. Fast and Furious 6, uh, you have... Hobbs who needs the help of Dom and they are ah, going the against Owen Shaw. Hire a criminal to <laughs> yeah. catch a criminal. It's a classic in the Furious franchise. So then you have Furious 7 which is where Jason Statham's character comes in and he's the villain in this film because he's trying to avenge his brother's death from the previous film. So we so, both so both both of so this is a villain spin-off. Well, no, because Dom isn't, I mean, Hobbs isn't like a villain. He's just working in the law and our heroes are not working in the law. So it's like they were on the run from the law 
and trying to avoid Hobbes. But Hobbes realized, just like Paul Walker did in the first one, that, wait, these guys are pretty cool. I could use them. They, like, have good morals. Like, I like these dudes, you know? (laughs) So Hobbes is a good guy by the end of the series. Furious 7, they're going against um, Jason Statham's character, Deckard Shaw, and they end up catching Deckard Shaw. He's a villain. You know, they put him in prison. But Furious 8, which is called The Fate of the Furious, (laughs) is about all of them needing to come together, basically. And so uh, Shaw escapes from prison, but he decides to help Hobbs out. And they have this really fun chemistry where they hate each other. And they're constantly trying to be the alpha in the relationship. And Statham has this amazing moment in the movie, including a a baby in a fight scene. It was just like, the movie itself is art and probably one of my favorite (laughs) Fast and the Furious films. And so that's sort of the character background, which led to the spinoff is Hobbs and uh, Shaw in Fate had some of the best chemistry in the movie and they were having the most fun and were kind of the comedic relief in the film, which otherwise was about Dom going bad. You know, it was like, oh, the, it was really serious. And it was the first movie without Paul Walker. So it was like, oh, so serious. But Hobbs and Shaw uh, was announced as a spinoff. And I don't know if you know about any of the drama surrounding that. Uh, no, I didn't really look oh! into any of this. I was like, I don't <laughs> I understand these movies. There's too much going on. Oh, There's far too many baby. people in this. I mean, isn't this the, this is the ninth movie. I could not watch eight movies. And I will have you remember you, that yeah. you couldn't even be bothered to watch the first Ant-Man <laughs> movie when we were watching the second one. <laughs> I know. I didn't think you needed to watch them for this episode. I just thought... It's a fun one. And if I had to recommend our listeners uh, what to watch, I would say start at five if you really want the full like experience. Otherwise, skip to seven because that's a work of art. It has the Paul Walker tribute. That's where we get the Wiz Khalifa song, See You Again. And um, then watch eight because it's great. <laughs> and then you can watch Hobbs and Shaw because that's fun too. But... I'm so glad you don't know about this behind the scenes drama because it is probably some of the funnest part of like the Fast and Furious franchise is how how this all went down. Because uh, so during Furious 8, Dwayne Johnson (laughs) posted on his Instagram calling his co-stars candy asses and saying that they weren't doing actual stunts and like they were hard to work with and they're just like... They don't conduct themselves as stand-up men and professionals. And he just like hashtag zero tolerance for candy asses. About basically Jason about Statham? Vin Diesel. No, this oh. was like about the original crew. So you have Vin Diesel, you have Ludacris, <laughs> you have um, Tyrese. And he did like Michelle Rodriguez. He did give a shout out to the females in the movie. So I appreciate that because they are badasses. But he basically stirred up this drama where it was revealed that there was this like bro antagonism between the alphas on the set and Dwayne, who's like, you know, he's like a truck. He could just destroy Vin Diesel. Probably. They did not get along to the point where they didn't film any scenes together in fate. They um, didn't want to work together. And so when it was revealed that Hobbs and Shaw would be the first spinoff instead of a spinoff with just Vin Diesel, 
everyone in the original crew got really upset. And Tyrese got on his Instagram and was like, hey, this franchise has always been about one family, one love, one race. And you, you're coming out here abandoning that, like, you know, basically calling Dwayne out for um, cheating, getting ahead, wanting to be the main star. And he should have respected the original family, the original cast and said no, because it was the fact of the matter was Hobbs and Shaw was delaying fate nine. And so Everyone was upset. Hobbs and Shaw had all this drama going into it. And I just, I think Dwayne Johnson is just, he's just a delight. And so even in his beef, he's just so funny. And I just, I feel bad for the other, the original cast. Because, you know, they just really can't compete with his charisma. I just find him annoying. I don't really like him in any movies. Oh, that's so sad. I don't know. He feels so (laughs) fake to me. I love Jason Statham. I have seen so many Jason Statham movies. I've seen all the transporters and and even weird random crap that he's been in because my dad loves him and I've seen like all of his movies. So I was somewhat excited to see this because I was like, Jason is going to be great. He's going to do some cool stuff. I loved his his comments, but they really did not give him good action scenes. <laughs> you know, it's so funny you say that because uh, the Wall Street Journal released this like expose about their contract agreements. And like both he and Dwayne Johnson have very specific rules about like their action sequences and how often they can be filmed like on their butts or being punched and like... Jason Statham has like an amount of hits he'll take, like because he doesn't want to look like a, you know, candy ass, I guess. And they each have like rules about how many fights they'll, um, or how many hits they'll take. Jason Statham in his contract says he will not lose a fight. And so in the film, they have all these like rules they have to dance around, all these hits they have to like negotiate. And so they're both pretty like, they're just like alpha dogs just like fighting over a bone and it's just so funny to me but in like i've seen a jason statham movie where he kills like 15 people with a fire hose i mean yeah. <laughs> like exciting weird crap and this was right. just very run of the mill well this it is was a like PG-13 okay punch some people film. drive a car yeah, yeah i guess i that was also I mean, yay for PG thirteen, whatever. But still, I could <laughs> I could have used a PG-13. little bit more carnage, right? But this is like a you know family friendly like summer blockbuster franchise. It's like it's never been like an R rated you know comedy or Deadpool esque thing. And I think what's been interesting is watching it sort of become comfortable in itself because. It's had the same writer now since Tokyo Drift, Chris Morgan, who and um, and he's just done a really great job of finessing these characters and letting it be so self-aware that everyone's just having so much fun in these characters. And like Hobbs and Shaw, I think, really worked because in the original cast, like the original series people, Vin Diesel sometimes takes it a little too seriously. Like I think... Like he once he said that the fast 
seven deserved an Oscar because of the emotional Paul Walker stuff, which is just, it kind of just shows that he's something's not connecting for him. That's connecting for everyone else. Who's like having so much fun on this set, having so much fun with these one liners and these weird, crazy, bonkers action sequences and so I really liked that Hobbs and Shaw was just so self-aware and it was really just these characters who were constantly you know bantering back and forth and just having a grand old time so you really didn't like it at all though the rivalry between them, I thought, was fun. The scenes uh-huh. where they're just like standing around talking to each <laughs> other, or like when they're on the airplane going back mm-hmm. and forth, I liked those. I felt like the action sequences of this movie were dull, yeah. and that yeah. the plot of the movie was very <laughs> strange. So, to get into the actual plot, yeah, please summarize Jason for me. Statham has a sister a secret sister that he doesn't know about or he knows that no he knows about it they've just had a falling out yes it's been which is that that whole backstory i couldn't follow but vanessa <laughs> kirby from the crown who is exquisite in the crown She's, and was the by far and away the best part of mission impossible whatever that was which i think is has to be what earned her this role was her scenes in that <laughs> She, because uh-huh. she just stole the show. She oh, is the sister who is trying to get, she works for the British government secret mm-hmm, forces, mm-hmm. something. She's trying <laughs> to get some weird virus from bad guys. And for whatever reason, she can't, she can't take the vial. So she injects herself with the virus and through oh, some right. very convoluted <laughs> plot shenanigans she has like a certain amount of time (laughs) with the virus in her before she dies and infects the entire world but if she can get to this machine she can somehow like (laughs) suck the virus back out of her blood and put it back into a vial And so then, (laughs) because she has the virus inside her, they call The Rock and Jason Statham to come capture her, but they don't tell them that they're they're working together. And also, they never tell Jason Statham that it's his sister that they're going (laughs) after. They're just like, there's an agent. They're looking for her. Oh, it's sis. Uh They eventually, like, find her... And then they think, then they realize they don't have the machine to get the virus out of her. So they have to go to the bad guy headquarters to get the machine. The bad guy is Idris Elba, who's half of a robot, half a person that Jason Statham Black might Superman. have killed. Yeah. But he's not in a previous one. Because no, they no, kept no. talking about this no. backstory and I thought, oh, maybe he's in a previous version. But no, no he's no. not. No, it's just, it's just Deckard's history. In the end, they go to (laughs) The Rock's family and Samoa, which we all knew because it was all over the trailers. And they obviously beat Idris Elba. They suck the stuff out of Vanessa Kirby's hand in the last possible second. Everybody Mm -hmm. survives. Mm -hmm. Everybody's happy. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it was like, like... other than the fact that the weird stuff with the virus was so complicated and didn't make sense, I could have come up with the storyline in all of 12 seconds. Well, I mean, right. I mean, it's that's the storyline of any like action-y movie. It's they have 24 hours to save a man who has a bomb or to stop, you know, this guy from selling this secret or, you know, it's every Mission Impossible, like, it's every Jason Bourne, I think. <laughs> I will compare this to the 
instant classic John Wick. In that... <laughs> yeah, John Wick doesn't have a story. That John Wick does this good job of like creating this like lore. And so even if it's a straightforward plot line of, mm-hmm. oh, everybody's trying to kill John Wick or John Wick's mm-hmm. trying to kill all of these people, that there's like some interesting settings and things around it. And then the fight scenes in there are very unique. They're like, yeah. how can we do a different fight scene? Oh, let's have him kill someone with a book. Let's have him, uh, you know, kill someone with a bunch of dogs. Like, let's come up with some new things. Yes. Where this, See, they I were just, like, okay, let's have a car chase, let's have a shootout, <laughs> no, I mean, let's have another car chase. You're doing a disservice to these action sequences because say what you want about like the story, the acting, the style. It's like Fast what and Furious. What was the best Fast action and the Furious is known for pushing like crazy ideas and like doing Maybe, crazy action Maybe, but what sequences. was it in this one? I mean, what this one you had like a, in here? you had like cars playing like you know like the the they were like looped together and holding down a helicopter. Like that's just a crazy, funny, insane visual. And like, and that is, that is funny. Like that's, what's fun. But that was also in the trailer. So I knew it was going to happen. Oh, well, I didn't, I stopped watching trailers about it because I didn't want spoilers, but you can't blame that on the trailer. Like, I mean, I guess it's just like, I get your point because some of the other fast and the furious have some truly spectacular, like chef's kiss, action sequences that are just like out of this world crazy but i feel like this movie was more focused on the on the relationship on these characters interacting with each other i mean like hobbs throws himself off of a building and like body slams into people rappelling down like that is funny that's fun that's interesting to see his like brute force (laughs) break through these people on it was just like there was just enough that it was like tantalizing and entertaining. There is a there is a Jason Statham movie that is glorious, and I can't remember which one it is, <laughs> but he kills a guy because he's swimming on like an outdoor pool at the top of a of a building and Jason Statham like climbs up the building, goes under the glass bottom pool and breaks the glass just at the moment that the guy is swimming and he gets sucked out of a vortex and then falls like 70 <laughs> right, feet. But again, and this that's is not what I was thinking R-rated this whole movie. time. Like you can't have these graphic <sighs> deaths. Okay. You have to Why just dial not? back your desires. <laughs> um, uh, I do want to touch on some of the cameos in this film, which they did a great job okay, of hiding. Yes, let's do that. Um, mm-hmm. Because right I was confused bat. about some of these as well. <laughs> I was like, are these people from They're the curious. original movies no, or are they new people? But you know what I mean? Like, yeah, was yeah, Ryan yeah, Reynolds right. in another no. version of this? No, not at all. That was just a total surprise. No, it was a total surprise. And it's because the director of Hobbs and Shaw is the director of Deadpool 2. And so um, they had asked him to come and be they needed to do that exposition, right? Because otherwise it would just feel bloated. If like Vanessa Kirby's character was like trying to explain it while she was stealing the vial. And so they were like, okay, we just need some funny guy to come in and give this background. And so Ryan Reynolds just like wrote up this script, you know, with his flippant (laughs) jokey attitude. And he has this whole scene in the first like 20 minutes of the movie just a total surprise to see him there and then he sort of continues to appear in the movie 
Um, he has the Rock's it? tattoo. Yeah. I like the part where he's like, when we got matching tattoos and it's the Rock's tattoo. Yeah. Oh, it's but also, so Brian funny. Reynolds has weird teeth, so he kind of oh creeps my me gosh. out whenever he's in the thing. <laughs> I thought he was so funny. I His monologue was probably like the funniest monologue in the movie. And it was this might such a delight. Derail us a, a oh, slight no. bit. But I thought the entire movie that he was the bad guy. <laughs> You know how there's, like, Idris Elba is getting uh, commands from some weird voice that's, like, disembodied? Mm -hmm. And sometimes it sounds like Mm -hmm. it's Ryan Reynolds. And I thought that was him. And I I also thought that he was probably in another movie and that was going to be a big plot twist. But then it was never revealed who the bad guy was in this movie. So do you think it's him or do you think it's somebody else or someone who's not in any of the movies? I think it's somebody else, if only for the fact that they probably couldn't get ryan reynolds to do a full feature you know what i mean like he can do a cameo happily but i don't know if he'd want to do like a full role in one of these movies so i feel like it's got to be doing (laughs) i don't know i mean he's deadpool 3 i guess it's really his only cup green lantern 2 yeah green lantern's happening so i mean i don't think they planned for that I don't think he was the voice, but I totally, I was curious about the same thing, but I think they're just setting up for a sequel, you know? Okay. Gotcha. Do you think that Kevin Hart was the voice? (laughs) No. And that was another surprise cameo. And that's a delight because Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart have this like friendship slash frenemy jokey relationship and they are always in movies together and so he pops up halfway through the movie as this air marshal who's just getting mad at them talking so much, but desperately wants to be a part of the crew. And I thought he did a great job, too, because it just plays into this like relationship they already have. But as someone, did you enjoy it? Did you like these cameos? I did. I thought the cameos were fun. Like I said, I think the funnest parts of the movie were the ones that aren't that weren't really related to the plot and were just kind <laughs> of funny people showing up yeah. and doing funny things. Yeah. I also it also reminded me that Jumanji Two is coming out, and after <laughs> telling everybody that I hated Jumanji and wasn't going to go see it, uh, like a year later I did go see it and I loved it. So now I'm excited <laughs> for Jumanji Two, and I always oh, was very excited for Jumanji. So. <laughs> Well, good. The other thing we have to talk about is Idris Elba, who, like I said, was not in any of the other movies. He just is his own character here. Um, how did you How did you feel about him? And meh. I didn't. <laughs> I, he was fine. Really? He was whatever. I didn't find him a super compelling bad guy. I thought he was well, kind of bland. And I yeah. also didn't get this whole backstory, which I th- <laughs> just assumed was from well, another think- movie. But I guess it's not. Well, again, I think sometimes you just walk into people's lives and you don't know their whole history. So like that sort of stuff just doesn't bother me. It's like they did explain it to their the best of their abilities as they were partners in this elite, I don't know, troop. And then he went bad and Statham had to make a choice and he killed him. But he came back and that's that's his. I guess that's the I was confused. Did he actually die? And then they brought him back like just his body with a robot in it? Or did he just, was he just very severely injured and then they had to fix him up with these robot parts? Well, I think it's unclear which parts are um, robotic, you know? Like his back clearly had some uh, edits done to it, but he clearly still felt pain and stuff. But he also had like 
super eyes and a fast working, I don't know, motor in there somewhere. So I don't know if that really matters. You know, the point is he was like this unbeatable superhero. And I just, I one am a huge Idris Elba fan and I think he does so good in any role he's given. And so watching him have so much fun in this one where he just gets to be black Superman and say things like genocide, schmenocide is just like, it's so fun. And I think that's, what's great is like people want to be in this franchise. Like Helen Mirren wanted to be in this franchise and asked for them to write her a part. And so she was in the last couple movies and like Charlize Theron wanted to be in this movie. And so they made her the villain in fate. And so it's like, clearly if it's not working for you, it's working for a lot of other people because it's just a fun time. It made a lot of money in yeah. the box office. It <laughs> yeah. beat out my beloved Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, yeah. Uh, I have a question for you about this movie. Okay. I saw a, the, there was a scene in here, and I was like, this is a weird scene. I wonder what Shelby's take is on it. At a certain point, they show up. I can't remember. They need something from some piece of technology or something and they show up at this like all women's arm dealer <laughs> compound oh, with yeah. all of these like very attractive <laughs> oddly dressed assassins <laughs> who have all of this uh, like technology and mm-hmm. are really only in it for one hot second they're like all walking around really fancy and looking much too done up to be super agents <laughs> like clearly they were just in there for sex appeal did this what were your thoughts on this well so that's the thing that's so that's the whole women's issue in the fast and furious franchise i mean on one hand they do a really good job of having interesting and thoughtful female characters michelle rodriguez has been in it since the beginning and gets to play this like really kick-ass complex as far as blockbusters go, role. You have like Charlize Theron who did an amazing job. So it's like in some ways they write women well, but they also are a franchise that was built on so many butt shots, so many scantily clad race street racing girls. It's like a constant, you know, I don't go in a Fast and Furious movie without knowing I will at one point see a scantily clad woman probably from the rear with a nice framed butt cheek, you know, and I'm pretty sure there were a couple in this one as well. And so, yeah, like it's a, it's, it's interesting. And I think they're trying like with Vanessa Kirby here, they made her a very, a very important figure who had very important action sequences. But you also walk away really unsure if they ever introduced her by name. Cause like, I did not know her name the entire movie. (laughs) I was looking it up and I was like, her name is Hattie. There's no way that that was said in the movie. Yeah. So they, they clearly have some blind spots because it's a, it's a male written, male directed, male produced show that, stars these alpha males and so i don't i'm not making excuses but those are the facts and i think it's good that they're trying harder but i think there's still room to grow if you walk away not knowing the only woman's name in the movie (laughs) which just really brings into focus the fact that quentin tarantino only shoots feet (laughs) and we did know the names of a number of the characters who were female in that movie oh yeah yeah yeah. Sharon Pussy Tate, cat. uh yeah. Pussycat. <laughs> um 
what squeaky or squeakums or whatever dakota fanning's character's name was yeah i mean i know a lot of the original fast and furious character female characters names but yeah i mean Do you know the character of arm of hot arms dealer what her name was no and she was there yeah it's eye candy and once upon a time in hollywood has brad pitt taking off his shirt for no other reason than you know, some eye candy too. So it's a because equality, equality. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's the takeaway, right? It's like Fast and the Furious. Once for me upon works a time in Hollywood, no. is more woke. <laughs> no, it's the woke Fast and movie. the Furious for me works because it's self-aware and it's just a good time. Like I go in and I know I'm going to laugh. I know I'm going to be. <laughs> there's going to be a spectacle involved. There's going to be some kick-ass like characters doing cool action sequences and i really liked that this like culminated this whole movie about these enemies forced together culminates in them having this realization in the rain that they have to literally work together to defeat idris elba and so there's a bunch of slow-mo shots as they each take turns taking a punch to the face giving a punch back like it was it was a powerful moment in this like movie because it just tied together all of these threads in these in these totally stupid like (laughs) moments where they're just like oh we have to work together and it just was self-aware enough that it's like it doesn't feel stupid it's just having fun so i'm assuming you're going to say that people should go see it now (laughs) yeah they should see it now they should see it later they should see it every chance they get from now until uh until the world ends because it's just a delight and you know what if you're sort of on the fence about this you might as well start with you know fate seven or fate eight and kind of ease into the fun and the camp because if you go in expecting john wick you're gonna be disappointed like this is like i said this is a summer flick Dwayne doesn't take it seriously and neither should you i think you can really pass this one by (laughs) go see the transporter movies go see no, the totally meg go see oh, the jumanji meg is so much worse than this do not pretend go see the meg literally, is better than this no the meg was that is far ridiculous. more enjoyable that is the meg ridiculous. was so weird oh man you just really this movie would have benefited greatly <laughs> from ruby rose her poor acting her beanies <sighs> and just trying to look as cool as possible in any deck chair she finds okay well do you have the winners and losers this week oh boy do i <laughs> winners and losers cue the music the winner is stealing a bag of luggage Who needs to go shopping when you can just steal a random bag of luggage from a hotel lobby? Fitting rooms and long lines? Yuck. Instead, pick up a stranger's suitcase and you're guaranteed to find a chic, form-fitting, eye-catching dress that's exactly your size, but also gives you room to fight in. Your stolen (laughs) rollaway will also include a full array of makeup that matches your skin tone and an effortlessly styled wig. So skip H&M and head to the Radisson instead if you want to be a winner. <laughs> oh, Matt, 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 Matt. I mean, first of all, you've clearly never seen a woman pack a carry-on because that's where you put your makeup, okay? Second of all, she stole from a woman who looked her size. So sounds like someone's a world-class spy, doesn't it? The, the thing that threw me is that there was a wig in the bag. 
got it. I think she got the wig from her house. I thought. No, she. Wh- she went she- and got guns, and she went to her house. She got guns, and she stocked up. I don't know. Maybe you're right. But she I don't then. Know. I thought that was <laughs> after she got the. I guess you have to go watch way. it again to see. <laughs> why would she take? Why would she take a wig from her home and not clothes from her home? You're right. Instead, well, steal clothes. They'd, that doesn't make sense either. <laughs> well, you found the one plot hole. Congrats to you. The case of the mysterious wig. Just you wait <laughs> for the loser this week. The loser is artificial fighting technology. <laughs> Excited that you have just been saved from the brink of death and have been implanted with robotic technology that allows you to survive motorcycle accidents and direct gunfire? <laughs> Think again, because while you can now stop bullets with your bare hands, you were not equipped with the technology to, de- to defeat two men in hand-to-hand combat <laughs> at once. One guy, easy, but two, game over for you, buddy. Your sensors are overloaded, and now you're the loser. (laughs) Yeah, you just can't trust technology these days, you know? There's always a flaw. I know, and it's, (laughs) oh, there's two guys who are going to punch you at once? There's no way you can handle that. (laughs) Well, he was relying too much on technology. It's a message to all of us that Google Glass is not the future, okay? Yes. Instead, it's just regular old Ben Franklin bifocals. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, lightning round. Uh, If you were to choose which one of us is Hobbes and which one of us is Shaw. I am definitely Hobbes. You're Shaw. Yeah, that's what I assume. (laughs) If only because I am so open-minded and friendly and everyone likes me. So, In the words (laughs) of the great... (laughs) Lindsay Lohan I have class and you don't (laughs) okay if you had to go hand to hand with one of the characters in this movie who would you choose um Vanessa Kirby (laughs) you you wouldn't stand a chance yeah but I feel like the tussle would be fun you know (laughs) oh of course of course I can't who are you picking I would pick the um the the doctor who developed the disease because he seems like an easy the old man yeah oh, i think yeah. i could do it i think i could take him flame torch and all would you rather have your skin melted from the outside or your insides <laughs> melted from within you <laughs> i guess i'd rather have my insides melted i think you'd die faster don't you think yes oh yeah definitely <laughs> I think that's a good choice. Yeah, yeah. Um, so who do you think would win for best actor, Statham or Johnson? Uh, Jason Statham. <laughs> okay, that's fair, probably. I don't know. I love Dwayne, though. I don't know. I'm not sure that that uh, The Rock can deliver, like, serious dialogue. He's more jokey. But his monologue about, um, you know, a woman's choice to climb that mountain was, like, really empowering to me. You know, like... That was a great moment for me. Was that in this? <laughs> when he, I don't remember. When he this was on scene. the plane, and he was like, "You're looking at my sister," and he's like, "Hey, it's not 1950 anymore. If she wants to climb this mountain, I'll let her climb it again and again and again." <laughs> oh, oh, yes, I do remember that. I do. Amazing, amazing. <sighs> I loved it. Oh gosh. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. 
Hard pass. If your family was called upon by you, a spy, to defend oh, no. uh, a secret weapon, what skill would your family have that they could use to defeat the bad guys? Oh, man, like a just a complete disinterest. I don't know if that would just, <laughs> just confuse the uh, villains there. I guess, you know... They're pretty active, so they could probably like outrun or outmaneuver on skis if we were in a snowy situation. Ooh, a ski chase. Yeah. That's a good one. We honestly didn't even really talk about the whole ludicrous third act of the movie where they go to Samoa (laughs) and the Rocks family is there, which they're like, "Hmm, we need someone to fix this machine that we have, <laughs> this weird virus disseminator. Who do we know? Oh, my brother, who I haven't spoken to in 10 years, <laughs> runs an auto body shop halfway around the world. Let's go to him before we go to uh, anybody in the right. British government. Yes. Yeah, it was the Samoa part actually was probably the weakest for me. I mean, it, just to briefly unpack it, they like have 30 minutes before Vanessa Kirby will be free from this virus. And so the army, the villains arrive pitch black, supposedly at dawn, but it's still black. Yes. Outside. yes. And then four minutes later, it cuts to like bright blue skies. The sun has risen uh-huh. to full noon. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's clearly they were trying to get away with like, oh, see, it's dawn. And now it's, you know, the sun came up. But I'm like, the sun has never come up that quickly in the history of this universe. So there was definitely some, um, some leaps of uh, logic there. For but sure. Everyone, but everyone was having fun, you know, and and representation. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they should have probably just hired Samoan actors if they were going to do that. But, you know, whatever. Well, they shot it on Hawaii. They didn't even go oh. to Samoa. <laughs> well, so. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if you were a movie star and you could have anything written into your contract, what crazy contract stipulation would you insist on in whatever role you took? Oh wow, this is a good question. Um, Yeah, I feel like it would definitely relate to food of some variety. (laughs) Always have Uh, Cheetos on set. Never be two feet away from a Slurpee machine. Yes, Slurpee machine (laughs) on set, and also uh, chick nugs all day, every day. (laughs) That's nice. That's good stuff. What are you saying? I think I would want like. You know, Dwayne Johnson also, I think, was one who had like he insisted on like a two block long um, trailer once during film, and I always admired that. So I'd want like a really cool a two block long. Yeah, it was like it was like it was like a huge trailer. People were very mad about it. It had like a full gym in it, basically. I'm ninety percent sure it was Dwayne Johnson. He's a he's a little bit of a prima donna, you know. He's been in the business for a while now. You have to admire it. When you were saying that he once insisted on something, I thought for sure you were going to say something about like an inclusion rider and put me to shame and be like, you're just looking for chicken nuggets. I'm promoting diversity in the workplace. Well, now we both look like shallow howls, but yeah, Mm, great film. Not problematic at all. What would you say is your favorite rock movie? Um, Probably San Andreas, actually. I love that movie. Mm. If you haven't seen I never it, saw that. you gotta watch it. It's a perfect action flick. I mean, perfect disaster flick. What about you? Is it Rampage or? I think 
<laughs> oh gosh, I didn't even see that. I think I'd say Jumanji. I oh, I yeah, honestly like Jumanji, good. and I'm not sure I can think of another movie that has him in it that I can say I like. That. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, Kiss Mary Kill, Dwayne Johnson, Jason Statham, and Ryan Reynolds. Um. Okay. Let's see. Um. Mary Jason Statham. <laughs> uh. Because he's my fave. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, gosh, this is tricky because I really would rather kill Dwayne the Rock Johnson. But I don't want to kiss Ryan Reynolds with them teeth. So I guess kiss <laughs> Dwayne the Get Rock Johnson with. and yeah. kill Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> yep. I would marry Ryan Reynolds. I guess I'd probably kiss Jason Statham and then I'd have to kill Dwayne Johnson and I'd feel really bad about it. Man. Wait, why are you killing? Why would you kiss Jason Statham over well, Rock Johnson? Think we you would like just have better chemistry, you know, physically. Yeah. And I just, I mm-hmm. Dwayne Johnson is a little too big, you know. It's like a lot of muscle. Yes. It's a lot. It's very yeah. alarming. So, mm-hmm. I think just smaller scale would be better. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. that makes sense. So. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Um. Uh. Kiss Mary Kill. Uh. Vanessa Kirby. Uh. Hot Arms Dealer and Helen Mirren. <laughs> Okay, I would marry Vanessa Kirby. I would kiss the hot arms dealer, and I would kill Helen Mirren because you know her Aww. life has been full. <laughs> Poor Helen Mirren. She's How not a full life. You? Like, what are you gonna? Uh, you're gonna kill the younger this one? Is so sad. <laughs> kill hot arms dealer. What's she have going on? <laughs> well, she's hot, so. Might as yeah, well. but Helen Mirren, she's probably a better so would you, to think of you all would the years she's Helen had Mirren. to practice. Wow, that is so woke of you. Look at you. Age is just a number. Way to go. Mm-hmm. I'm proud of you. Look That's at me. Great. Progressive. What? Yeah, what a note to end on. Helen and Matt coming to a white uh, chapel near you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Getting them little burgers. Yeah. <laughs> or no, that's White Castle. Sorry. <laughs> Oh gosh! Mm, why wow. would I have there said we go. White Castle? Like, why would I? Have I don't said know. I was. That's movie. why I was confused. <laughs> I was like, "What? Why would we go there? Is that a place no, where you go when you Las make Vegas. out with people at a it's White where you Castle? Get married? It's the White Chapel. Why would we be in Las Vegas? You're getting though, married either. because you love Helen Mirren. <laughs> And she lives in Las Vegas. No, it's just no. You're overcomplicating this. Anyway, okay, whatever. If this has been a good episode, <laughs> despite the fact that the movie was terrible. Follow us on social media. We're at PSU Wrong on Instagram, on Twitter. You can also leave us a review at Apple Podcasts, which would be phenomenal. And we'll be back next week talking about um, the Widows remake that they're doing called <laughs> The Kitchen. Hey, it's a gangster movie. Full circle. I Yeah, I guess. We'll have to see what's the better gangster movie this year, The yeah. Kitchen or The Irishman. <laughs> and judging by Tiffany Haddish's acting in the trailer, I'm going to have to say The Irishman. <laughs> well, we'll just have to see, won't we? You hate women. Yeah. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I'm kissing Helen Mirren. Oh, you're right. You're right. Women of a certain age work for you. Yeah, I have I have a friend who's a girl. It's you. So there we go. I can't hate Aww, women now. I have a perfect. friend who's a girl. That's okay. a thing. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll see you guys next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye.